You're listening to the Lucas Italy podcast with food, culture and history from the land of risotto and risorgimento. I'm Luca Marchiori and today I'll be talking about the upcoming festival of Easter. Despite being a secular state for more than 100 years, Italy remains heavily influenced by the Catholic religion. And for Catholics, and indeed for all Christians, Easter is the most important festival of the year. Easter celebrates a key moment in the Christian religion in which Jesus was condemned and crucified to atone for the sins of humanity, and then three days later he rose from the dead. As you might imagine, this festival, which coincides with the return of good weather, is accompanied by traditions and processions all over the peninsula for the whole weekend. The festival lasts from Friday, which is known as Venerdì Santo, to Monday, which is known as Pasquetta, or Little Easter. And there are many famous events over these three days, sadly, many of which won't be taking place this year because of the coronavirus. One of the most famous Good Friday events is the Stations of the Cross, which takes place in the Colosseum in Rome with the Pope. And there are many processions of statues um, which take place on Good Friday all over the south of Italy. On the Saturday evening, many Catholics will go to church and there's the most important mass of the Easter season. And on Easter Sunday in Florence, there's one of my favourite events, which is Lo Scoppio del Carro, which means the explosion of the cart. And this involves the construction of a huge cart, which they place outside the main doors of the Duomo, the cathedral in Florence. And then a dove flies on a wire from the top of the campanile to where the carro is, and then it explodes because it's full of fireworks. At midday on Easter Sunday, there's the Urbi et Orbi, which is the Pope's Easter message. And then on Monday, Pasquetta, people take the day off and eat and spend time with your family and friends. But of course, as well as these traditions, there are an awful lot of food traditions which are associated with Easter. And we're going to take a whistle-stop tour around the Italian peninsula, having a look at some of the most famous and delicious of these. Now, if you're a regular listener to this podcast, I'm sure you'll expect that many of the foods eaten at Easter depend on which region of Italy you're in, and this is absolutely correct. There are, however, two pan-Italian food traditions, one ancient and one modern. Now, the ancient one is the tradition which is found almost everywhere in Italy, with a few exceptions, of eating lamb for lunch on Easter Sunday. Now, this is a really old tradition and goes back to the Jewish foundations of the Christian religion. According to the Bible, the events in the life of Jesus, which Easter celebrates, took place around the Jewish festival of Passover. And in fact, even today, Easter and Passover occur very close together. The Italian word for Easter is Pasqua, which derives from the word Pesach, which is the Jewish name for Passover. And in fact, in Italian, the name of the festival of Passover is the same as Easter. Easter is called Pasqua, Passover is called Pasqua Ebraica. Now, Passover derives from another episode in the Old Testament of the Bible, in which the Jewish people had been enslaved and transported to Egypt. And after many years, God sends Moses to the king of Egypt, the Pharaoh, and he has him demand that Pharaoh set the Jewish people free. Now, Pharaoh says no, and so God sends a series of nine plagues to Egypt in order to try and convince him. 
And these include things like water turning to blood, um, all the animals being infected with lice, a plague of locusts, and other things like that. But none of these work, and Pharaoh still refuses to set the Jewish people free. And so finally, God tells Moses that he is going to pass over the land of Egypt one night, and he's going to kill every firstborn male child, both human and animal. Now on this night, the Jewish people are told to pack all their things and to get ready for a journey. And then they're told to mark their houses with lamb's blood on the lintels of the front door so that when God passes over, he will spare the children living in that house. Now, this worked and eventually the Jewish people were able to leave and after years of wandering in the desert, founded the state of Israel. And for many years, lamb was eaten as part of the Passover festivals. Now, I understand that this is no longer the case, and in fact, that Jewish people are discouraged from eating lamb during the Passover festivals, although a lamb bone is used as part of the ceremonies. But this change occurred after the time of Jesus. And since um, the Bible implies that the Last Supper, the meal that Jesus ate with his disciples on the Thursday of Holy Week, was actually a Passover meal, it's quite likely that Jesus ate lamb at the Last Supper. Now, on top of all this, the lamb in Christianity has also become a symbol for Jesus himself. And the concept of sacrificing a lamb is symbolic of the crucifixion. And so for all of these reasons, Italians up and down the peninsula will eat roast lamb for lunch on Easter Sunday. Now, one of the most popular ways to roast the lamb is to make holes with a knife in the flesh before cooking and to put a clove of garlic and a bit of rosemary in each of the holes so that the lamb is roasted with the garlic and rosemary inside. And when it's finished, it's completely infused with these wonderful flavours of garlic and rosemary. Now, the second pan-Italian tradition is the eating of a special cake called a colomba. Now, colomba in Italian means dove, and a dove is also a Christian symbol. It's a symbol of peace. And these colomba are in the shape of a dove. Well, in fact, they're, they're sort of round with four, um, four knobs, I guess, on the outside, one to represent the head, one to represent the tail, and two to represent the wings. And these often have candied peel, and the consistency is a bit similar to a panettone. And in fact, this is no coincidence because the Colomba was invented in the 1930s by Angelo Motta, who you'll remember from the episode on Panettone with which I began this series. And if you don't remember it, then go back and listen now. In fact, not now, wait till the end of this podcast and then go back and listen. Now, after inventing the modern industrial panettone, Motta um, was worried that basically he would become famous only for Christmas cakes and that basically he'd have nothing to do for the rest of the year. So they decided to make um, cakes in the shape of doves using the same machinery and the same recipe for panettone. And then obviously the Christmas cake period could be extended up till Easter. And like panettone, this became very, very popular and very soon by the 1950s became a big tradition in Italy, which it remains so today. The shops in Italy right now are completely full of colombe, and like the panettone, it comes in many different flavours. Um, the traditional one has got candied peel inside, although um, as we saw in the episode on panettone, some people don't like that. So there are lemon-flavoured ones, orange-flavoured ones, chocolate-flavoured ones. I saw one the other day with big 
um, pieces of janduya, which is like a, a chocolate hazelnut cream inside. And so basically there are many different flavors and people choose the one that they like best. Now there is of course a legend which tries to say that the Colomba is actually something which goes back to medieval times, to the period of the Lombard invasions of Italy in the early 600s. But basically this is a load of rubbish. Um, it's not true at all and it was invented really in order to try and give the Colomba a, an ancient pedigree. But as I say, it's something from the 1930s and 40s um, invented by Motta. There are similarities, however, between the Colomba and the Fugasa Veneta. And this is a traditional cake eaten at Easter in the Veneto. Now, it's quite similar to a panettone in many ways, but it does have an ancient heritage. And in fact, some people in Venice will eat the focaccia or fugasa at Christmas time instead of a panettone. But the tradition of the fugasa is definitely associated with Easter. Now, there are many theories as to how the fugasa was invented and its origins. One says that it was um, invented uh, by an enterprising baker from Treviso who decided to give his clients something special at Easter, which is remarkably similar to the true story of Angelo Motta and the Panatone. Another says that it started as a poor food, um, a food eaten by the poor at Easter time, because in medieval and Renaissance times, sugar was incredibly expensive and most people couldn't afford to eat it. So people would buy a little bit of sugar and use it to make the fugasa at Easter time. And there's another story linking the fugasa veneta actually with when people got engaged. And it was said that when people got engaged in Venice, the family of the groom presented a fugasa to the bride-to-be, and in fact, she would find the wedding ring baked inside. And this is very similar to the story of the maritozzo, which is a traditional bun from Rome, which will be the subject of another episode. So watch this space. Now, moving south from Venice, there are other cakes which are very similar, found, for example, in the Emilia-Romagna region, where it's called Zambella. And going even further south in the Le Marche region, there is a cake eaten at Easter, which looks very, very similar to the Fugasa. It has the same shape of a, of a, of a modern panettone, but this is called pizza di formaggio, or cheese pizza. Now, this is the ancient use of the word pizza, meaning anything, any food stuff which is round and has nothing to do at all with the pizza um, that we think of today as Italian pizza, pizza napolitana, pizza romana, which have been the subject of previous podcasts. But the pizza di formaggio, it's a bit like a savoury panettone. Um, it has the same consistency and it's made with cheese. Now, another tradition from Le Marche is to eat on Easter Sunday morning, to eat a frittata alla menta, um, a mint frittata um, for breakfast. Frittata, most of you probably know, is a bit like a, a, a Spanish omelette. It's an Italian omelette, which is made with vegetables and other things inside, and it's quite thick. And in Le Marche, traditionally, for Easter breakfast, they eat one of these made with mint. Now, moving westward to the other side of Italy, we get to Liguria, where the main city is Genoa or Genova. And there they have a traditional Easter dish called the Torta Pasqualina or the Easter cake. 
And this is basically a torta rustica, which is a savoury pie made with flaky puff pastry, and inside it's filled with ricotta and spinach. Now, just as a little aside, torta rustica is one of my Italian food moments. When I was a teenager, um, I used to spend every summer in Venice going around with my guidebook and really getting to know the city. And I discovered a little shop, a little baker's shop um, in um, Calle del Mondo Novo, which means um, the street of the new world, which is just over the bridge from Campo Santa Maria Formosa. And um, this shop, which is still there, used to do torta rustica, which you could just buy in slices. And I used to buy a slice, one with spinach and ricotta and one with mozzarella and prosciutto cotto and eat these for lunch. And there was nothing like the taste of the pastry, the flaky buttery pastry um, mixed in with the, 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 the gorgeous fillings. And it's one of my real Italian food moments. And I must say that uh, I've recently been back to the shop and they still do the torta rustica in those two flavours. And um, it's almost as good as I remember um, as a teenager, but maybe my taste has become a little bit more jaded nowadays. Who knows? Anyway, um, if you're in Venice, uh, I think the shop's called Cheap Chap and um, you should go there and try the torta rustica because it's, uh, it's amazing. So the Torta Pasqualina, back to Genova and the Torta Pasqualina. The Torta Pasqualina is basically a Torta Rustica, but when you cut it open, you have a surprise because inside there are hard-boiled eggs. And in fact, when you bake the Torta Rustica, you leave a little mark on top to show where to cut it so that you know exactly where to cut through the eggs. And basically, you do this by, before you put the lid on the torta rustica, you make holes in the filling and then break a whole egg into the hole and then cover this over with more filling and then the top of the pie. And then when you bake it, obviously, the raw egg bakes and it looks like a whole hard-boiled egg um, inside. You have to be careful to make sure you get the shape right. But it's a lovely surprise and is very traditional for Easter. As I said, it's made with flaky puff pastry. And in fact, there's a tradition that says that when this cake was originally made, and it dates back to the 1400s, apparently, the they used to use 33 layers of pastry for this cake because Jesus um, lived until the age of 33. So the number of layers in the pastry represent the years in the life of Jesus. Now, moving down to Tuscany, one of my favourite Easter traditions in Tuscany is really a Lenten tradition. Lent, as you know, is the period of six weeks leading up to Easter. And these are called quaresimali, which means basically Lent biscuits. And they're these little biscuits which are in the shape of letters. So basically, they're like alphabet biscuits. And you can uh, you can make different words with them before eating. I've no idea, and uh, nobody knows where this originally came from. But as I say, it's a big tradition in Tuscany, and you can still find them in shops in the six weeks leading up to Easter. In fact, they tend to appear at the point of the Mid Lent festival, which takes place three weeks before Easter. So moving down from Tuscany to Lazio and Rome. Rome is one of the only cities in Italy that actually has a big history of eating lamb. There's a big tradition of lamb in Rome. And in fact, in Roman dialect, it's called abbacchio. 
And on Easter, they tend to eat this with fried artichokes. Now, these are not carciofi alla Giudia, which is another kind of fried artichoke associated with the Jewish community in Rome, which basically look like big flowers because they're flattened out and then deep fried. These are artichokes cut into quarters and then deep fried, which you eat with your lamb. Now, of course, it's a short hop from Rome down to Naples, where you find two of my completely favourite Easter traditions. The first one you already know about, it's the Pastiera Napolitana, to which I've already devoted a whole episode. So again, if you haven't heard it, when you finish this podcast, find it and go and listen to that. But the second thing is a, is a savoury dish called Casatiello. Now, casatiello is like a big ring um, of bread. And on top of the bread, enclosed in like little cross cages, you have eggs in their shells. And in fact, there are five of these eggs that go all the way around the casatiello. Now, when you cut open the casatiello, it's completely full of salami and cheese. And in fact, the word casatiello comes from the word cacio, which means cheese. Now, you have to try and put as much salami and cheese into the casatiello as possible. I made one a few years ago and I put loads of salami and loads of cheese. And one of my Neapolitan friends looking at it went, yeah, not enough cheese, not enough salami. Which is partly probably because I didn't put enough cheese and salami in and partly because he was also a Neapolitan and uh, obviously didn't like the fact that a non-Neapolitan was able to make a lovely casatiello. And in any case, I'm sure it wasn't as good as his mum's. Now, again, this is full of Christian symbolism. The eggs symbolize the five wounds of Christ, which he got during the crucifixion. Um, one on each of his hands, one on each of his feet, and then one in his side. And of course, the eggs are held in place with a cross of pastry, which symbolizes the cross of the crucifixion. The egg itself is an old Christian symbol of Jesus in the tomb before he rose again. And the shape of the casatiello is reminiscent of the shape of the crown of thorns, which was placed on Jesus's head just before the crucifixion. Now, going south from Naples in Calabria and also into Sicily, there are cakes which look like the casatiello, but they're actually sweet. And the name of these changes depending on where you are. In Calabria alone, they're known as cuculi, cuzupe, sguta, and cuduraci. And as I say, these are sweet, but they all have the egg enclosed into the thing with the cross over the top. Now, moving down to Sicily, we find more lamb, but not the kind of lamb you would expect, because one of the traditions of Sicily at Easter is to make marzipan lambs flavoured with pistacchio. And these range from small to absolutely huge, and they tend to be very well sculpted images of lambs. Now, apparently, these originated in the monastery of San Vito in Palermo, which is no longer there, and these were made as gifts for visiting dignitaries. And from there, they became a general Sicilian Easter tradition. Now, no whistle-stop tour around Italy would be complete without a visit to Sardinia, which personally is one of my favourite places on earth, and as well as all the other amazing things from Sardinia, which will be dealt with in future podcasts. They have little puff pastry pies, which they call panades, which are eaten at Easter. Now, the filling of these pies depends on which part of the island you're in, and they can be artichokes, 
cheese, and in some parts of the island, eel, which I'm sure anybody from the east end of London would appreciate. But one of the most popular is one which is filled with lamb, with parsley and black pepper. So I hope you've enjoyed our little whistle-stop tour around the Easter foods of Italy. If you want to know what these foods look like or even how to make them, I'll be posting some photos and links on my website in the show notes for this episode. So thank you once again for your support and for listening and saying such lovely things about the podcast. And in some ways, I think that this episode is a bit of a milestone because my first episode was in the lead up to Christmas and this episode obviously is in the lead up to Easter. So all that remains is for me to wish you a very happy Easter if it's something which you celebrate. And I hope you manage to have a good rest and to enjoy yourselves despite the pandemic. Now I'm taking a little break, so next week there will not be an episode, but I'll be back in two weeks' time with another slice of Italian food, culture and history. So as I said, I wish you all a very happy Easter. Ciao!